Well, as we uh, look at God's word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you are a God who enters our world, who uh, comes and uh, is involved in your creation. We thank you for speaking to us, for speaking to us through your Son and for speaking to us through your word as it records his life. And Father, we pray that as we consider it now, we ask that you would speak afresh to us by your Spirit. May we receive your word and may it change us. And we ask it, Father, for Jesus' sake. Amen. There are certain events in life, aren't there, that are, that are big and significant. And so much of life just goes on and uh, one day is much like another and things just continue on. But there are certain things, certain events that are life-changing. Uh, some of those things are things that we plan for and look forward to. We uh, Things like uh, leaving home. I think of Josh uh, Reen uh, having uh, moved up to Canberra. And what, what a change that makes for him uh, as he moves into that situation. Uh, for others, it might be getting a job, especially if that job then takes you away from people and, and you have to travel, or, or it brings you into a new relationships with other people. Uh, it might be getting married something you've been looking forward to, something that you plan and prepare for, and when it happens, things change. Having children. Of course, that changes in ways that we don't even expect is going to happen, even no matter how much we plan and prepare for it. There are so many things that through life are big, life-changing events. They take us down different paths and, and change the whole direction of our life. Uh, and then there are other events that have the same effect on us, but they're not ones that we're so in control of, and, and they might not just affect us, but thousands, millions of people. People get elected to office and suddenly economies change. The whole direction of policy can be, uh, can be differed. And the way that you thought your life was going, the way that you had planned and prepared for things, can be altered. Stock markets can crash. And the flow-on effects can have a massive impact on the lives and the employment of hundreds of people. There are medical discoveries that are made. And suddenly thousands, millions of people's lives are saved as a result of those events. And of course, historians love to look back and try to identify key moments in history that really have made a big impact uh, on, on the things that have happened for, down through the ages since then. But of all the events of history, of all the things that we can see that have happened, nothing has had a bigger impact. Nothing has changed more people's lives than the event that happened some 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead. Now in itself it's a pretty impressive event, isn't it? A dead person comes back to life again. Uh, it, it changed one person's life at least quite considerably. Uh, Jesus. But of course it has so much greater implications than that. It's a unique event, but the impact of the resurrection of Jesus reaches out beyond itself in ways that are so much greater than just some event that happened in the ancient Middle East. And our passage today gives us a picture of just why the resurrection of Jesus has so much impact. 
And it does it not by looking at great, mighty people who have been changed and altered, but in a very personal and real way as we see the change it makes in two of Jesus' disciples. They are particularly important people. In fact, we only know the name of one of them. They weren't among the twelve who we know and were with Jesus all that time. But the effect that the resurrection has on them is the effect that the resurrection has on the whole world and shows us why it is such an important event. So let's join them as they make their journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We pick up the story in verse uh, 13. It's the, day after, it's the day after the Sabbath. Jesus died on the Friday. Uh, they waited the Sabbath day, the Saturday. And here they are on the, uh, the Sunday, uh, the first day of the week, having met together with the other disciples, but then deciding it's time to go home. Verse 13, now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked. About, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. If you want to know what life would be like if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, then this is a pretty good picture, isn't it? For these two people, their hopes are dashed. They're defeated. And all they've got to talk about is what might have been. See, they've got no hope. They have no redeemer. They have no message. We don't know much about them, uh, but uh, they are on their way home from Jerusalem this first Easter Sunday. One of them is named Cleopas, and they had been among the disciples of Jesus. Uh, they'd been with the 11 disciples that morning, so they must have been fairly well known to them from having followed Jesus for some time, you can expect. Like others, they may be those who have left their homes and work and families as they followed the call of Jesus to follow him and learn from him. But now it's all over. The man they had seen doing incredible things. The man who had been their teacher and guide. He's dead. It's over. There's no point staying in Jerusalem anymore. That's not where their home is. There's no one there to follow anymore. Might as well make the start on the journey home, wherever that might have been, back to their old lives. So they set out, they can at least get to Emmaus this afternoon, it's a few hours walk away from Jerusalem. It's not much to hope for really, is it? 
And if that hadn't been hard enough, talking among themselves about what might have been and, and what was going on and what do we do now, some stranger rocks up beside them and wants to know what they're talking about. And they stop in their tracks and, and they look at him amazed that he doesn't know what's happened. And totally dejected at having to tell someone about what's happened. Having to explain it all. Luke tells us in verse 17 that their faces were downcast. It would be, wouldn't they? Everything they'd been looking forward to. Everything they hoped that Jesus would do and be. Everything they'd given their lives for. It's evaporated into nothing. Buried with Jesus. Can you imagine how foolish you'd feel having to explain to this fellow traveller that, yeah, we'd have been among those who really thought that this was going to be something. We thought this was going to be the big change that was going to come. But we were taken in. We thought Jesus was going to be the Redeemer, but no, he's dead. Nothing's happened. Wasted our time. We're on our way home. Not much to hope for. And of course, not only have they got nothing to hope for, but they've got no redeemer. They're still defeated. In verse 21, they say how they'd hoped that Jesus was going to be the one to redeem Israel, the one who would restore God's people, the one who would show the victory of God over all the world. For so long, Israel had just been a backwater state of foreign invaders. They'd never really recovered as a nation from God's judgment that he'd sent on them some 700 years ago when he'd sent them into exile. Oh, they'd come back into the land, but they were still nothing as a nation. They were still looking for the day when God's forgiveness would really come. When They were looking for the day when God's promised Redeemer would restore Israel, both as a nation in the world, but also restore them in their relationship with God himself. And they had thought that Jesus was the one. He had all the marks. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, they say. He'd come to Jerusalem. And they thought he was coming to bring the great victory of God. But instead, their own leaders had handed Jesus over to the foreigners and they'd executed him. There hadn't even been a decent fight. They were utterly defeated. No redeemer. And so they've got nothing to say. They've got no message to tell. Verse 18, these disciples are amazed that the traveller who's joined them doesn't already know what's happened. They think he could only be a visitor to Jerusalem if he hasn't heard. And so they go through the process of telling him what's happened, but it's not much of a message really. All they're doing is recounting what might have been. It's all just history that didn't actually come into effect. And so here they are. Their hopes are dashed. They have no redeemer or victory. And it's all just too painful to talk about. No hope, no redeemer, no message. And that, friends, is actually a pretty correct assessment of the situation. If indeed Jesus didn't rise from the dead. 
If Jesus is still dead on the ground, then we have nothing to hope for. Like Jesus, when we die, we will stay dead in the ground. If Jesus is still dead, then there is no victory. There is no redeemer. Sin and death win. And we will face God's just judgment for our sins. There's no one to redeem or rescue us. And if Jesus is still dead, then we have no message. We've got nothing to say. Jesus was just another man who spoke big but couldn't actually deliver on what he said. We should be ashamed to even say we were taken in by him. Like these two disciples, we should just go home. But, and it's a big but, isn't it? But Jesus did rise from the dead. There was a resurrection. And so we do have a hope. We do have a redeemer who gives us victory. We do have a message that is of great importance and that we should boldly tell the whole world. And all this is because Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. That one event changes everything. And it was realising the truth of this that turns these two disciples completely around. They go from on their way home to racing back to Jerusalem as fast as they can. And yes, it is an incredible event that changes them. They see a dead person alive again, but it's much more than just somebody alive again. It's the resurrection of Jesus. So that now Jesus is their hope. Jesus is their redeemer. Jesus is their message. See, as Jesus has been walking along with these disciples, he says to them in verse 25, How foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Of course, at the time, for these two disciples, it was all just academic. For them, yeah, but Jesus is dead. But when they realised that, hang on, this is Jesus who's with us, they suddenly realised that it all fits into place. Jesus is alive. And so in verse 32, they ask each other, Weren't our hearts burning within us while, we talk, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? See, their faces had been downcast, but now their hearts are on fire. God's promises, all those things from the prophets and all that Jesus had explained to them, it is actually all being fulfilled. All these things that they'd hoped for in Jesus are true. Jesus has done exactly what the prophets had said he'd do. He's done exactly what he had said he would do. And we can see that because he's been raised from the dead. God fulfills even that great promise. And if God can do that, then he can, we can trust him to keep his other promises as well. We have a hope. Death is not the end. As Peter puts it in 1 Peter 1, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
And since Jesus is alive, since God's promises are being fulfilled, we see that Jesus' death, it wasn't a defeat. It was actually the greatest victory of all. Jesus does redeem God's people. Not, not from the foreign powers that have invaded Israel. They're nothing on this, in this God's sight as far as enemies go. No, Jesus redeems us from our far greater enemy, the enemy of sin and its judgment of death. And he does it using the pattern of, that God had already set up for redeeming his people from sin. He does it by a sacrifice offered in the place of those who've sinned. It's by dying in our place that Jesus redeems us and brings us back to God. And we see the reality of that in Jesus' resurrection. Death couldn't hold him down. God raised him to life and God will raise those who trust in Jesus as well. We can be confident that we can be given new life because Jesus was given new life. These disciples, they thought that because Jesus had died, it meant that, well, we thought he was the redeemed, but obviously he's not. But as they meet the risen Jesus, they see that it is only by his death that Jesus can be the redeemer. He has the victory over death not surprising that it's as they sit down to eat together as Jesus breaks bread with them that these two disciples recognize who he is see it's the fellowship of a meal that is so often used as a symbol of good relations good relations with God from the time when Abraham entertained angels to David's psalm and, and the spreading of a table before him in front of his enemies or to Jesus' parables of a, of a wedding feast, or, or the father who throws a banquet when his son returns. Sharing his, a meal is the sign of redemption, of being redeemed, of being in right relationship together. And we continue to look forward to that great banquet in heaven with the risen Redeemer. Because Jesus is our Redeemer. And therefore, Jesus is also our message. You see, we have something to say to our world. We have something of great importance that they need to hear. Just as these two disciples had something so important to say to the other disciples in Jerusalem. Because Jesus is alive. So we have a message that he is our hope. He is our redeemer. For these two disciples, it was news that couldn't wait. You know, it was the end of the day. They'd already packed it, you know, they'd already travelled as far as they could for the night. They pulled into their motel, unpacked the car, gone out for dinner. They were ready to, to put their head on the pillow when they realised that the person with them was Jesus, risen from the dead. And so what do they do? They head straight back to Jerusalem to tell the others. And I reckon that that trip back was an awful lot quicker than the one on the way out. Rather than being ashamed and embarrassed by the message about Jesus, now it is something that we, they are so excited by. It should be something that we want to tell the whole world. 
See, we can hold our heads high and declare that Jesus is our hope and our redeemer because he has been raised from the dead. I love this passage because of the way that these two disciples are so incredibly changed by seeing Jesus. We see the difference so starkly put, don't we, as they go from heading home downcast and dejected to racing back to Jerusalem elated and alive. The resurrection has a massive impact on their lives. And of course, it's an impact that goes beyond just them, but to the whole world for exactly the same reasons, because it's the resurrection that gives the hope that God's plans are being fulfilled. It's the resurrection that shows that Jesus is the Redeemer who brings victory over death and who restores our friendship with God. It's the resurrection that makes the gospel a message that the whole world needs to hear. And yet I wonder sometimes why the resurrection doesn't have the same effect on on me as it did on these two disciples. Have I just got so used to it that it's lost its impact? Have I forgotten just how bad things would be if there was no resurrection? Or have I replaced the hope and the redemption and the message of the resurrection with some poor imitation from this world? So what difference does the resurrection make for you? Does it affect what you hope for, what you look forward to, what you live your life for? So do you look forward to having a nice, long, healthy life, enjoying holidays and relaxation? Or are you looking forward to being resurrected like Jesus and living with him forever? Do you look forward to eventually paying off the house or being financially secure? Or to seeing more people employed to tell others about Jesus? Do you look forward to seeing your kids happy and well? Or or do you look forward to seeing them knowing and loving and serving Jesus? What do you hope for? And does the resurrection affect how you will live with God? See, have you brought into our society's view that actually we're all pretty okay with God? There's really no problem that needs fixing. We don't need a redeemer. After all, you go to church. You're all right with God. Or do you still remember just how mean you can be, just how selfish you are? Just how much you can, how far from God you really are. And just how much you need Jesus to take your place and redeem you. Does that fill you with thankfulness and awe? And a desire to please him more and more as you live in that relationship with him? Where do you find redemption? And does the resurrection affect what you speak about with your friends, with your workmates, with your neighbours? 
do you just try to avoid talking to them about anything significant at all and, and stick to those safe topics like the football or the weather? Are you ashamed to let people know you believe in Jesus or that he's important to you? Or do you look for every opportunity to say even just some small word about Jesus as the message that they so desperately need to hear? That Jesus was raised from the dead, that he is alive, that there was a resurrection makes a big difference. There is truly no other event in all of history that has had such a big effect on our world as the resurrection of Jesus. It is truly life-changing. But is it changing yours? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you. What a mighty God that not only did you give your son for us, but you have shown the effectiveness of his work by raising him to new life. Father, what an incredible event. What a change that makes for all that we are and all that we know and all that we can do. Father, we thank you for the hope that you give us, the redemption you've won for us, and for giving us the message to take to our world. Father, may we indeed be truly changed by the mighty power of the resurrection. Amen.